excellent. Yeah. And it started with a C, and we are allowed to talk about cows. Yes, we can talk about cows. <laughs> See? Yes. We yes. don't have a, a, a limit on yeah. the C word. No. My uh, repro problem in school was my arms are too short to palpate cat, most cows. So. <laughs> that is such a lousy excuse. <laughs> no, it's true. And you probably had to have a little stamp, too. Sometimes. Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hi, this is Dr. Susan Little. And Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, this is the Purr Podcast. I cannot contain my excitement <laughs> this is our first live taping i know with our unfortunate guinea pig yes sorry, sorry. in three years yola mm. three it's years crazy. It's crazy. i know so we've zoomed every episode before this yeah and now we're back live live yes and the other exciting part for me is that we're in orlando yes florida and we're taping this in january right and i left the home and you too the home of the Correct. freezing right. snowy weather mm. and we've escaped to sunny florida they came from beyond the wall we and did they flew the, over the wall we flew over the wall and we're uh, here yeah and where it's warm kind of warm and sunny. kind of warm for you it's really warm because it it's above 10 degrees it is uh but for us it's rather cold for oh poor yola oh, no. I know. I need to yeah. get my fur coat. He lives out. in Kansas. Fake fur, can by the way. Fake yeah. fur. Yeah. We can't say anything about that. No, no. Exactly. We have a wonderful guest. We do. So you have a lot of firsts. This is your first time recording with us. Mm. Yep. Um, we we do have some repeat guests, so you know we may right. invite you back. I don't know. Anyway, so it's your first time with us, and it, you are our first live person in right. three years. So it's a lot of honors. Yes, right? we need to make a certificate. Oh, we'll make a certificate. Oh, nice. right. Yeah, be a nice picture. Though. Yeah, did, right. you didn't bring the stickers. We can't even give them no, a sticker. No stickers. No nothing. You guys have stickers? We have stickers. I know. I should have mentioned the stickers. We'll send you a package. We'll send you. Oh, thank yeah. you so much for that. You get a sticker. You get a magnet. You get a key ring. I I don't even I don't have a magnet key, key, key ring. All exactly. I have is stickers. Just saying. Awesome. awesome. So uh, what are we going to talk about and who are we talking to? Well, I think we better introduce our guest. <laughs> We're so interested in talking about that. No worries. Yeah. I'm, I'm here, yeah, your yeah. excitement, guys. I know. Okay, so tell us who you are. So who am I? Uh, I'm Emmanuel. I'm a French veterinarian. Yeah. I'm sure you can hear by my accent. Yeah. It's very high to hide this one, actually. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, and uh, I'm. I live in Canada. I've been living in Canada for 10 years now. 10 years now? Yes, wow. already. It's been a while. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and well, uh, I'm a diplomat of the European College of Animal Reproduction. Yeah. So my area of specialty is canine and feline reproduction. You're a theorio guy. I'm a theorio guy. Yes. On this side of the ocean, you call it theriogenology. That's correct. Right. We it's not theorio in uh... no in Europe we call it animal reproduction. Okay. So okay. it's tiny definition. I yeah, heard yeah. that theriogenology is the study of the beast, which I found oh. interesting actually. Oh. Uh, but yeah. anyway. It's the same thing. At the same end of thing. the day, it's exactly it's the same. It's all repro. Repro, I always have to think about me and my arm in a cow. Oh, mm. ah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, the good thing is when yeah. you learn, when you prepare for the exam, right. obviously you have a large part on cows, yeah. horses, mares, right. horses yeah, yeah. etc. Right. However, more and more we have people focusing on the, the, the canine and feline aspect. Right. And this is a growing 
discipline. Uh, I remember when I started um, in the early 200s, we had, especially in cats, we had like yeah. very few pages. And yeah. now every year we get more and more knowledge. It's exploded, in this yes. hasn't it? Right, right, right. Yes. So I have to confess something here. Yeah. Yola is, is a surgeon. You know, I'm ah. a surgeon. So uh, yeah. I was uh, at my yeah. repro exam mm -hmm. and it was a live exam. So you had to palpate a cow and I had no clue. So, you know, you had to palpate the ovaries and then guesstimate how, yeah. where the stage, cow was yeah. in the stage. And I had no clue. So, you know, you have a couple of options. I think <laughs> there were four choices or something like that. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm just going to make this up. So I guesstimated the choice. Mm -hmm. I think the cow was in heat or whatever it was, you know, it just had broken one of the follicles, whatever. And I got this whole story out and he said, wow, you're the first one. Wow. <laughs> like, oh. And I was, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, fake it till you it. make it, Yola. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You so, just fake it. And funny parallel, when it yeah. comes to reproductive physiology, mm -hmm. cows and cats have actually a lot in common. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And it started with a C, and we are allowed to talk about cows. Yes, we can talk about cows. <laughs> See? Yes. We yes. don't have a, a, a limit on yeah. the C word. No. My uh, repro problem in school was my arms are too short to palpate cat, most cows. <laughs> so. That is such a lousy excuse. <laughs> no, it's true. And you probably have to have a little stand, too. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me and cows didn't work. Okay. No, I'm no. in the middle of a bashing session. I know. That, no. This is, this is how we're, it, we're revealing our, 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 goes, our yeah, weaknesses. So. Yeah, exactly. We're revealing our weaknesses. Yeah. All right. Let's. So, did you repro. always know that you were going to focus on small animal, or when no. you know? Did you graduate from Lyon? No, I no. graduated from Toulouse. Oh, Toulouse! It's a total coincidence, actually. I graduated from Toulouse, and I learned a little bit about. Uh, Teriogenology. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? It's uh, for my fifth year in France. For the fifth year, you need to do a kind of a small specialization. Yes. yes. So I said, oh, there is this cool training in Maison Alfort in Paris. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go there. I'm going to learn more about canine feline reproduction. And then I'll go into practice and I will just practice and uh, have this little with, plus. Yes, yes. And I fell in love with the discipline. <laughs> mm. I spent uh, seven years at the vet school. I prepared for the the European college. I did a master's degree. Uh, I did a PhD on animal reproduction. I just loved it. You got sucked in. Yeah, it, total coincidence. Oh. Same thing for Canada. Uh, I always wanted to live in North America. It was my American dream, you know. Uh, and but my Canada American dream. America. <laughs> I know this, this is part of the funny story. My <laughs> American dream was actually to go to a sunny part of yeah. of. Oh, like Florida, right. California. I come right. from a tropical island in right. the middle of the Indian Ocean. Ooh. And as a coincidence, I ended up in Canada. I don't regret it. I love it. Uh, it's cold. That's it's my cold. only issue. It's but cold. about they that. They have Timmy Hortons. That Tim Hortons, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a very Canadian thing. Unfortunately, um, it doesn't really compare to French coffee, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's I true. know. Yeah. So Look did up. you, you know Elise uh, Manata, yes. did you meet her at Al4? No, I didn't meet Elise at Al4. Uh, we had the same mentor. So okay. our uh, mentor was uh, Dr. Alain Fondon, who is now yeah, yeah, yeah. working in the reproductive department in, in Maison Alfort. Uh, we had the same mentor. So okay. we met through uh, through him. Yeah. And we had a lot of discussions because Elise did a lot of studies on ovarian ultrasounds yes, and cats, etc. Yes, yes. uh, and you know, it was a great connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's a lovely person. Yes. Yeah, indeed. yeah. Yep. So what did you do your PhD in? Uh, my PhD was on the use of GnRH agonist implants to 
medically spay and neuter dogs and cats. Ah, mm. so both dogs and cats. Both dogs and cats. How did it work in cats? So in cats, it's uh, well, it long story short, uh, it works. Mm -hmm. uh, but those implants have a two-step action. First, it will actually activate the reproductive function. So depending on when you implant those cats, oh, it will yeah, actually yeah, first yeah, yeah. induce oh, the yeah. cat into it. So first you get kittens and then... Mm, well, you try that's not risk. to. <laughs> you try not to. Yeah. That's uh, but that's the issue. Yeah. Uh, that being said, uh, those implants offer alternatives. And actually that's something I'm discussing in my presentation this afternoon. Uh, we have those alternatives depending on the client you have in front of you. Of course, if you're dealing with a, a, a normal owner, mm -hmm. this is not something they're necessarily interested in mm -hmm. because it's not a permanent solution. It's mm -hmm. just a way to delay or increase the inter-estrus interval, the right. interval between seasons. Right. But if you're working with a cat breeder, for instance, that is something they might be interested in mm -hmm. because the cats, when they come in season, uh, typically you will see hair loss, uh, they, weigh, they lose weight because they're always in season, uh, their uh, energy uh, is, uh, their energy needs are actually increased. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that's not great if you go to a cat show. Mm. Uh, and on top of that, each time they come in season, there is a risk that the uterus develops some diseases. CEH. -E CEH, -E yes. indeed, which right. is, in my opinion, one of the most common causes of infertility in cats. Because every time we do an ultrasound on cats with infertility, we you found CEH. Yeah. So it's I'm very with common. you. I think that is really common. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it is. Um, I just whack them up. Yeah, so um, we'll just let Yola talk occasionally. You, you and I talk too. <laughs> so, um, uh, so that's really useful for cat breeders yes. to uh, increase the. It, it's in, useful for cat breeders, but think about it in veterinary medicine. There might be some options where it is interesting. Think of uh, a cat with an ovarian remnant. Yes, those can be challenging in cats because yes. in cats you can have some uh, extra ovarian cells. Uh, that were well, ovarian cells that are not on the ovarian pedicle. Right. And sometimes you cannot just find where they are. Right. Uh, you do multiple surgeries and the cat still comes into season. So one of the options could be to use those implants to actually mm. stop those, mm -hmm. this cat from coming into season without doing more surgeries. So right. it offers alternatives. Yeah. It's not the panacea, yeah. but it offers alternatives. I can see it could be useful um, I've had some patients with um, uh, heart disease, for mm -hmm. example, and we are feeling nervous about general mm -hmm. anesthesia, even though it's short for a spay, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so I think there are other, yeah. like applications outside of working breeders, right? Totally agree. <coughs> there was this guy that uh, gave a big donation to find an alternative to surgery. How's that going? So, oh, this one is interesting too. Uh, so I attended to the, the, the association is called, is called Alliance for Contraception in Dogs and Cats, mm -hmm. or in Cats and Dogs, actually. Cats, Cats, ACCD, right? ACCD. Cats come first. Cats come first. You're That's right. how it's supposed to be, isn't yeah. it? Especially on this podcast, right? Uh -huh. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, they were actually, they're actually indeed looking for uh, an alternative to medically spay cats in a permanent way. Right. And they started a long time ago. And they started a long time ago. Yeah. I, the, the first time I attended to their conference, it was in 28, uh, 2008. It was in Dallas. It was my first time in the US, so I remember it. Yeah. And there were talks about, oh, we could potentially do this and that. Yeah. That's the holy grail. Yeah. yeah, especially they offer a $15 million yeah. grant, which yeah, was yeah. super exciting for us right. researchers at the time. Right. Yeah. 
recently, in 2021, actually, they posted something on their website. They are working at the moment on a gene transfer technology that is going to be able to provide permanent contraception in female cats. For the moment, it only works in, it's supposed to only work in female cats. They're not there yet. We might be waiting for a few years still. But so you this, have a genetic modified cat? Uh, so to speak. So how does that work? Like, what's the big picture of how that works? The big picture is that basically it's going to be an injectable. Okay. That ah. you will be able to inject to the cat. And it will do what? And it's basically a virus that is going to transfer right. a new gene that right. is going to inhibit the, the genes that are controlling the reproductive function. So can you do that by influencing one gene? Or will it have to be multiple? I must admit I don't know all the details yeah. because they haven't revealed the full picture right, right, yet. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, but it makes you wonder, right? It because, makes me wonder. Because re like the repro cycle is very complicated, so, yeah. right? And I, I don't know how many vector models are out there mm. to interfere at multiple sites. Correct. So mm. that's really intriguing. That's intriguing. Yeah. Especially when they said that they are moving into what they call a, a drug production phase. So apparently it's oh. changing a little bit uh, the, the, the way they're approaching it. Yeah. So they're pretty certain that this is going to be the way to go in the future. Again, we might be a few yeah. years down yeah. the road, yeah. but still, yeah. that's that's very exciting because think yeah. about it. Uh, I know, Suzanne, sometimes you go to the Caribbean to do some spay yeah. and water, yeah. etc. Yeah. Uh, think of the time you will gain. Suddenly, in like five minutes, you could how many cats? How do many like 20, yeah. 30, 40 yeah, yeah. cats yeah. just by doing some those ejections. I think this is going to be a game changer. It's come a long way because at the beginning we were talking about anti-zona pellucida yeah. models, mm -hmm. right? So if you so they they would make antibodies bind to the zona pellucida around the egg and right. induce fertility. And you know, that was exciting at that time, right? And a lot of time and effort went into that. But look, mm -hmm. here we're talking about gene transfer technology yeah. so but if you talk yeah. about gene transfer that means that you have to have a different solution for dogs probably or is it the same gene you're checking for the moment they are only trying it in cats yeah. what they said and again that's a short paragraph on their website mm. saying for the moment we're developing it in female cats it is not meant to work in male cats for the moment uh, and eventually we will try to make it work for dogs it's always the poor female well it's often it's it's often more efficient and sometimes an easier target. Right. But the GNRH agonists mm. will work in male and female yes. because right. they're at the head of the, they're at the top of the yes. hormonal Correct. cascade, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. We will basically silence the pituitary secretions yes. that yes. are controlling the reproductive function. Right. Uh, and the cool thing with those GNRH implants, uh, and, and I know we talk a lot about this in the canine species. You notice that I don't say the D word. I always yeah, use yeah, canine. Yeah, that I think he gets a star. He's I the know. first one to figure that out. I know. Yeah. That's you would have to change it, the rules. It took 164 wow. podcasts for a person to come on. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, yeah. 164. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You're Amazing. memorable. That's yeah, good. Yeah. But, and, and with those. Another I mean, certificate. <laughs> That's number two. Bang. Yes. Right there. <laughs> with, with those implants, actually you can stop the production of gonadotrophins. Yeah. And in, in, in a canine species, as I was saying, we there are some of some hotters think that actually when you 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 spare neuter, you will have an increase in the production of gonadotrophins. Right. And this increase because in the negative feedback is lost, yes, right? You're losing the ovarian feedback yep. on yep. the pituitary. Yep. But because of that, this could actually predispose animals to develop certain conditions. 
like some tumors, etc., because those gonadotropin receptors right. are not only uh, yeah. uh, in, in, the, in the brain, they are everywhere yeah. in the body. And I would like to talk about that in the next podcast, so the negative effects of spaying and neutering dogs and cats, because mm -hmm. I think it's a big point, and a lot of veterinarians get pushback now because people read mm -hmm. on the internet, mm -hmm. my dog will get cancer if mm -hmm. you spay too early yes. or too late, yeah, right. that sort of thing. So it's a really good topic to have as a cliffhanger for the next Okay, one. cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because, you know, um, um, I have another question about, so the most uh, veterinarians um, have a discussion about spay, this is a surgical topic, mm -hmm. about spay <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, between ovariectin and ovariectin. Oh. Can you please help us here? I, oh, yes, I can. Yeah. I, so, well, I can. And Another cliffhanger. Yes. <clears throat> Remember that I come from Europe. Right. Yes. And the reason I'm saying that it's actually interesting because I realized over the years that depending on which country you're in, yes. we are not taught the same technique exactly. at the vet school, which totally changes everything it because does. in North America, very often people are taught to do ovarioisterectomy. Right. Yes. Everything. Almost everything exclusive. We remove everything. Uh, and I think sometimes some of the surgeons, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, right. but they were telling us, oh, we do that because this way they will never develop pyometra. Yes. Uh, think about it. You need hormones. Exactly. Pyometra is, yes, an infection, but also a, a hormonal it's disease. Hormonal. So right. if you remove the ovaries, uh, there is no reason you will develop a pyometra. If there's a pyometra developing after ovariectomy, right. it means that there's something still producing hormones, or maybe you're giving them exogenous hormones. Right. So right, right. long story short, uh, on my end, I do prefer ovariectomy mm -hmm. because I find it quicker, quicker, uh, less painful, etc. You have actually several studies from uh, Belgium actually showing that ovariectomy Holland. is <laughs> Holland. 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 Oh, that's okay. <laughs> but uh, the the point is, ovariectomy is typically seen as less painful. However, right. at the end of the day, think about it. It's all about how comfortable as a surgeon you, you are, are with the yes. technique. Because the more comfortable you are, the faster you will go. Yeah, basically. Right. Right, right, right. That's a good summary. Yeah. No, thank you very much. So oh, I've been saying this uh, for for many many years, and still in the US, it's not uh, common practice. Uh, so when I do my lectures and I say that, never push like what? <laughs> and then you know, in in the US, it was published too about ten years ago. Mm -hmm. There's really no difference between the two. Uh, and I agree with you that it's it, what you're more comfortable about. Although you do have to realize that you will cause a little bit more trauma if you do the big surgery. So. That's the, if you think about the patient, probably minimal invasive is mm -hmm. the way to go. Um, and the smaller the incision, the smaller the surgery, the better it is. So mm -hmm. just leave the stuff in, just take the ovaries. It's interesting actually, I'd love to get your point on that. Mm -hmm. I read a study recently on uh, performing ovarioisterectomy or ovariectomy in cats with laparoscopy. I did it all the time. So, and the, the only thing they were saying was that, oh, it takes an average 40 something minutes. That was what was published in the paper. Right. So again, I don't know who was doing the surgery, yeah. I'd love to get yeah. your take on that. It's uh, it's less than a minute per ovary. Okay. That's how fast it goes. So, and it depends how, you know, the nice thing about cats is they're in what I call inflatable. They're inflatable. Yeah. So okay. they, you, you can blow them up. Yes. And, and you yes. have so much space there. Yes. So cats are super easy. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it takes equipment. It takes yeah. one extra person if because it's you know someone has to hold the scope or you have to have a scope holder so that mm -hmm. those are the ne negative aspects but you cannot do it as fast as yeah, right. any other surgery that's so right. and it is uh, you have such a good view that you never leave stuff behind except for those cases where it's not really located in the ovary mm -hmm. and one more thing is if you talk about pyometra 
if you leave something in over area uh, tissue, you can still get a stump perimeter, even if you do yes. a full hysterectomy. Yes. So that's the whole problem with with the pyrometer discussion. Yeah. It doesn't really make any difference. Yeah, good point. I think we're at the end. Already. Okay, this is going really fast. It does go very fast. I know. Are yeah. you, who does the honors? Uh, I think you should. I do the honors? Yeah, because it's the first time, you know, the first time that you're out, really. I've I been know. traveling quite a lot. Yeah. And, and you're here for the first time, so. Well, yeah. And maybe you, st you still can do it. I'll think? try. Um, I gotta, I gotta pretend it on Zoom. Right, close your eyes. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we are the Per Podcast, and you. you can find our episodes online at perpodcast.net. How's the website doing? It is up to date. I knew you were going to ask. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask. It oh, is so the latest one is. It up, is up to date. Dr. Kelly is on there. I knew it. I'm surprised it took to the end of this episode before you said anything. And the website is up to date. Oh, that's wonderful. And our social media handle is at per podcast. And did you know that I looked at all the numbering, and we're now. Oh, uh, we'll have to talk about the numbers. The numbers are good. We are okay. okay. The numbers are now. You know, finally they're good. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, so the file is there. You okay. can check it. But uh, okay. all right, this Until is the Per Podcast. Um, at Per Podcast on all social media yeah. platforms. You said that already. And uh, we'll see you next week. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. And you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatPetSusan. Dr. Yurla Kirkenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at G-V-E-T-S-X. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove struvite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at per podcast. Thank <sniffs> you.